So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I just wanted to say a massive thanks to those who've taken a moment to click the five star review on your podcast platforms. It really does make a difference in getting the show seen. And I also wanted to bring special attention to Phil, who's written a beautiful message about how much he enjoyed the recent mental well-being episode with Lieutenant Colonel Susie Hines. So thanks, Phil, for that. Well, today's episode touches on that topic, but also goes inside the mind of a top Australian sports star. Sean Lane was born in Sydney and followed his passion into rugby league through to elite level. He's now one of the top players in rugby league, playing in the second row for the Parramatta Eels, where he's played over 100 games. Sean's fascinated about the role of psychology in sport and life. And in his recent off-season, he travelled around the UK and Europe to create a documentary for the club on how different sports are embracing psychology and coaching. You'll be able to see that interview that we did together in January when that comes out on the Parramatta Eels channels. While I was with him, I thought I'd try and get inside his head and hear what's made him successful. His story's fascinating. He's been the player of the season, suffered major injuries, dealt with loads of self-doubt and also had to play in the spotlight while managing a really tough personal situation at home because his dad was struggling with major depressive episodes. All of these experiences, as well as the recent studies that he's been doing, have created a set of strategies that have helped Shane to thrive. Here's a taste of what's to come. It was a nine-year journey and there was lots of ups and downs, but I learned to embrace those and learned that it's an inevitable part of not only high-performance sport, but life. I pretty much had a breakout first season, but thought I was a lot further along than, than what I was just because of the results. I was a, probably an eight-year-old kid when I found out that my dad had depression and was suicidal. Going through those experiences was something that I've drawn a lot of strength from. My self-esteem is no longer affected by what other people think of me, and it's no longer affected by results, even if I might mess up anymore. You're not going to be happy all the time, and it's about accepting that as part of the experience and part of the journey. and not allowing that to derail you from continuing on that path. It's about taking it in baby steps and taking the little wins wherever you can get them to continually motivate you towards the ultimate goal of where you want to get to. 
So let's dive straight into the interview where I asked Sean to give us the background on how he broke into his professional career. I've played rugby league since I was five years old. Um, pretty much everyone in my family played it in the eastern suburbs of, of Sydney, Australia. It's uh, footy is, is life really and um, yeah, I think uh, pretty much everyone in, in my extended family used to play it and everything as well. Um, my brother ended up going on playing one game of, of first grade. Um, I kind of just went through the systems um, as a junior um, all the way through till uh, eventually when I debuted in the, in the top tier at uh, 20 years old. Um, from there, I pretty much had a breakout first season, uh, but thought I was a lot further along than, than what I was just because of the results were showing that I belonged there where I was. I think I got complacent a bit from that point. Um, and then that led to, to me chopping and changing teams for a few years after that, being dropped down to the reserves competition. And uh, I think as a, as a young kid who lacked a lot of discipline, I resorted to playing the victim and uh, didn't want to let go of that fixed mentality that I was where I belonged and I developed all the skills necessary to succeed because part of the evidence was there for me, like I, I did succeed, I was going well. It took me a few years of, of setbacks to actually realise that um, there was a lot more to it than, than what I thought and I had to have a good hard look in the mirror to, to realise the path that I had to move down and it was one of growth instead. Uh, so then the next few years of my career was about resurrection really and doing whatever was necessary to get myself not only back to where I was, but to continue to, to transcend that, um, to be the best version of myself that I could be, because up until that point, I felt like I had nothing but potential and no evidence to support it. So there was this, there was this hunger in me, this fire, that I really wanted to just prove to myself um, and achieve, achieve my potential. So the next few years, that's kind of what I went about doing and um, put my head down, did the work that was necessary. But along the way, I learnt uh, that it wasn't just, it, it was very little to do with the physical work. It was very little to do with transforming my skill set. It was about what was between the years for me. Um, that's actually transformed my whole career and continued this trajectory that I've experienced um, up to the point where last season, not this, this current 2023 one, the 22 season, that's when I probably experienced the greatest outcome of, of my whole career. Um, helped my team to get to a final, the, the final in the series, the National Rugby League, and got the player of the year in, in my team, which came second. So uh, that was my journey from being a, a young player through to a more experienced player. It was a nine-year journey and there was lots of ups and downs but I learnt to embrace those and learnt that it's an inevitable part of not only high performance sport but life. So yeah that's where I'm at now and I've just, it's good that I'm saying that because I've just come off the back of a, a, the next season where I've been injured the entire time but the way that I see it it's a, another opportunity for me to embrace life uh, as it is and not get caught in, in the outcome, in the result of, of being injured and not being out on the pitch, but 
um, having time and opportunity to do other things. That's why I'm over here talking to you. It's uh, another avenue for me to potentially grow uh, as a player in, in my sport, but then also in the things that interest me outside of sport now, which is uh, studying psychology. I'm currently doing a master's degree in positive psychology. So yeah, that's me. Brilliant. Well, you, you've um, scrambled through nine amazing years of career in a couple of minutes there, but there's a big sort of transformation that happened, you know, at some point in the middle of it, which I'm fascinated by because often when talented individuals hit their first ceiling or have the first setback or fall out with a coach or get injured or whatever it is, there's that moment when you can feel like a victim, like your accelerated path has been halted. And a lot of people would stay in that victim mode. Many people listening to the podcast will have had setbacks in their life and still feel stuck and trapped by that. Yeah. What, what actually happened at that point for you? You just sort of breezed over and said, oh, I took accountability, changed my life. And, you know, all of a sudden, were, you know, took control of it. What, mm. what made you have that reframe? And, and what did you actually do that helped you to say, it's no one else's fault. The cavalry aren't coming if I want this life, I've got to do A, B, and C. What, what made that change for you? I think I just sat down uh, after one season where I, th I hit the ceiling, like you said, and wasn't being helped along the way or whatever else. Um, I was lucky enough to still have a few years and kind of tossing around in reserve grade, but it got to the point where I had one remaining year on my contract, and I was now in the off-season heading into that, se that year. So it actually forced me to, to sit down and, and fully start to think about my life and where I wanted to take my life. And I think I really just narrowed my focus on what I wanted to achieve. And at that time, I, I hadn't yet developed an interest in psychology or, or studying much. I was studying, but I was halfway through my degree at the time, which I wasn't really that interested in. And I thought, well, I'm really good at football. I know I am but something's stopping me from achieving my potential. And every other approach I've had until this point is clearly not correct. Pointing to this and saying that that person's wrong or pointing to this and saying that team's wrong. Um, it was getting me nowhere. So it was about, all right, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. What can I do to get to where I want to be? Regardless of if it's gonna be difficult or if it's gonna involve me having to put my ego aside and admit that some other people are wrong, even if I didn't agree with it. And um, that was a large part of me turning things around. I, I approached that next uh, pre-season uh, training camp and right from day one, I hit the ground running and I just started to feel momentum building um, throughout that entire pre-season to the point where I was went from a reserve grade of the previous year to forcing my way into the team. Throughout that whole year, um, I was starting off the bench initially, went from starting off the bench, playing a little bit of starting, starting every week, scoring tries every week, top try scorer by the end of the season. And it all started from me just looking at this is where I need to be, where I should be. Me being too proud to give up on the dream that I'd had since I was a five-year-old kid, I said, no, no, this is not going to be okay with me. 
I don't want to live a life of regret knowing that this is where I could have been when I was down here. And um, I just took the necessary steps one day at a time to try and get to where I needed to be. And by the end of one year, it only took really for me to get to that point of where I wanted to, to start the, the, the process of achieving my goals. So you mentioned having that dream. What do you think was the most powerful motivational fuel? Was it the dream that you articulated or was it the fear of being rejected from the game and being judged not good enough? Which was it sort of avoidance of failure or was it being drawn towards this incredible goal? It was being, definitely being drawn towards the goal. I think the negative experiences I had with the game made me not give a crap about the game at that time. I was like, I fucking don't like this game at that point in time. That was, um, that was one of the things that was almost dragging me down, stopping me from trying to achieve that goal. But I think once I fully aligned myself with the desire to achieve things and the desire not, not to be a consistent first grade footballer or play representative footy or whatever else it was, it was always about me being the best I could be at whatever I did. That's what's always kind of driven me. And I think that aligns with me, my experiences as a child um, and the things that I went through with my family when I was young. Um, and that's kind of a decision I've, I've always tried to make in my life is I want to be the best, my version of the best that I can be, not what other people think I should be. Um, so that what, that's what was driving me in that time. I know you've spoken about your dad's influence and the challenges that he's had. How has that played a role in your interest in psychology and this sort of positive psychology that you, you're moving towards now? Yeah, so I think I was in a very unique situation as a probably eight years old. Um, it does occur a lot more than what people think. There are lots of depressed people out there, lots of suicidal people who have families and their families have to go through this the struggles of trying to be there to support that person. Um, but yeah, I was a, probably an eight-year-old kid when I found out that my dad had depression and was suicidal. And it was through a very traumatic experience that I still remember to this day very vividly because it's the most probably traumatic thing that um, I've ever gone through at that time. And it's resonated with me throughout my life. But that sparked a real curiosity about what what happened like what what happened along the way for someone to be suicidal is something that an eight-year-old kid's never going to understand but if I'm confronted with it every day I was confronted with the reality that I knew that's where my dad was I'd have to come home from school and he'd still be in a similar state so I think it just caused me to be put in this position where I had no other no other chance, uh, no other option, but to start to process that. So I'd, I, I can remember I'd stay up at night and I'd think about death as a 10-year-old kid. Um, it was this crazy, crazy situation, but um, I think that ended up causing me, going through those experiences was something that I've drawn a lot of strength from, knowing that I've gone through such difficult times um, but then I've also learned a lot from it and I've looked at his predicament and I looked at some of the things that he might do that aren't quite healthy, some of the, thi the, 
the attitudes he has or beliefs or um, behaviours. And I've kind of dissected that and thought like, all right, well, that isn't working for him. He still has the issues where he can't really correct them because of his own journey and other things that are contributing. Um, but it's caused me to go, you know what, if I can address that myself in myself, then I'm going to do that and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I'm living the most fulfilling life I can because I, I know what the opposite end of the spectrum means. And um, it's devastating. It's devastating for that person and it's devastating for everyone around them. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's an incredible objectivity to be able to dissect that you know when it's so close your own dad to be living in that environment and seeing that and then be able to you know pull out the levers and the the sort of buttons that you're trying to either press or avoid to move in a different path for your own life but you mentioned earlier about these three big injuries after your record-breaking season you know an amazing season and then three huge injuries that knocked you out of the whole you know game how did you use some of these skills that you'd been learning? Because that's a clear point where you could have slid back into a dark place yourself. You know, you've been a top player and then you've got a whole season off. Mm. Um, what did you do to embrace that time and to reframe that time using some of the skills that you'd learned? So I think um, one of the key things that I struggled with quite a bit when I was younger was dealing with negative thoughts. Um, and having this belief in my own ability because I was I was affected a lot by what other people might have said about me or even if they how they looked at me or um, me jumping to conclusions about what they thought me catastrophizing so I was definitely very aligned in a negative way to that and some of the skills that I'd learned over the years is to not care about what other people think about me, to actually align my own personal beliefs in myself with actual evidence. What, what have I done in this sport? What can I do? What are my abilities, my strengths? So my opinion of myself, my self-esteem is no longer affected by what other people think of me and it's no longer affected by results, even if I might mess up anymore. It's about what I know I have done, what I know I can do. So regardless of my injuries occurring, I knew the year before I was the best player in my team as voted by my peers and my coaches. So just because an injury occurs doesn't mean I'm any worse. It means I have to sit out for a few weeks, yeah, but I can accept that. That's part of the sport. I have a good acceptance around that. I have, I'm much more aligned with reality in, in that regard. So an injury occurs, all right, what am I going to do? Once again, the same process. Here's where I am now. I need to be healthy in this amount of time. What am I going to do all the steps along the way to become healthy in this next six weeks and to be able to perform my best in six weeks time? And I'd engage in that process. And then unfortunately, another injury occurred. You know what? Back to the same thing, back to the same approach. Remaining present, engaging in the same system that I'd kind of developed the same framework. Um, and then it occurred again, but you know what? It's, that's footy once again, and I <laughs> jump straight back into it, engage in the process, and uh, yeah, eventually the season ended. I barely got any footy in, but you know what? There's that, still that belief and that hunger in me to try and be the best that I can. So 
I'm here, I'm trying to improve myself continuously and um, I'm trying to uh, better my chances to be at my best and to perform in my sport. It sounds incredibly rational. I can't imagine it was that rational when you, you know, snapped your Achilles or broke your arm or whatever it was. But um, that that ability to almost judge yourself on your character and your attitude rather than where you are in your fitness is incredibly powerful because you can imagine you've just sort of hit a brick wall and fallen back down. You think, oh, I've slid this far. I was so close and now I'm so far. Mm. But again, that's outcome focus, isn't it? But what you're saying is, well, actually, my focus was on, did I get up? Did I do my stretching? Did I do my physio? Did I eat my nutrition and hydration and sleep and all those targets? And whether you're injured or not, that daily process of excellence, you, you might have slightly different goals, you know, if you're getting fit to get ready for a match rather than if you're getting fit with rehab. Yeah. But ultimately, you were judging yourself on that daily discipline. So, you know, we see lots of people either building a business and it's bloody hard work or trying to get fit and healthy or give up smoking or cut down alcohol or lose weight. Those things don't happen in a month, two months. They don't happen in six months. They take months and if not years to do, to build. Mm. What advice have you got to people um, or for people when they're trying to build that discipline of doing it day in, day out when it's really tough? Um, for me, it's about accepting the discomfort that's going to come along with the journey. A lot of people think that they need to avoid discomfort because it's just innately how humans respond to uncomfortable situations. We want to avoid that. We're fearful of that. We want to be comfortable. But when you're going through a process of being injured, trying to get back to your best playing, you're going to have to go through boring rehab sessions. You're going to have to go in every day and do physio and not be around your teammates as much. You're not going to be happy all the time. And it's about accepting that as part of the experience and part of the journey and not allowing that to derail you from continuing on that path. It's about taking it in baby steps and taking the little wins wherever you can get them to continually motivate you towards the ultimate goal of where you want to get to. So life's hard. It's unavoidable. You're going to have to go through difficult situations whether you plan it or not. So you may as well opt in for discomfort along the path that you want to get to rather than eventually getting to a point where discomfort is inevitable and it leads you to a path where you don't want to be. Yeah, well, that's incredibly profound. And, you know, as you say, we don't normally choose the harder path, but often the harder path leads you to, to what your goals are. Tell, tell us a little bit, of, a bit about, you talked about this goal and this aspiration that you had. How did you bring that to life? Was there some kind of visual or something that you used or a keyword or something? Um, it wasn't quite as developed when I was, when I was younger and had had the setbacks, but I knew I just wanted to be my best. And at the time for me, the, the path for me to be my best was let's get back in the first team. And then after that, it was like, all right, I'm back in. Let's get back to being a consistent first team player. And then I was like, all right, now I want to be up with rep football standards. So I, I took... I would achieve the goal, move on to a next achievable goal, get there. Um, 
and at the time I never really had full alignment with a purpose or anything like that. It was just goal achievement. Um, in the last year, two years, I started to develop a more in-depth um, approach where I actually sat down and, and fully um, in detail went through the things that I value in life and what I'm trying to achieve in my life and not just in my sport because at the end of the day the sport although it does bring me a sense of fulfillment and happiness is only one element of that so I wanted to align all of my life with one single purpose with one single goal and so for me now uh, I think once again it comes back to some of my experiences in childhood uh, seeing some of the the suffering and the difficulties that people can be put under and then understanding the privilege that I have in my position. Um, I have the ability to go through unique sets of circumstances that not many people will ever get to experience and then also have influence on others. So then understanding that and what I value, I've aligned that with my purpose, which is now to connect with the world and to share love with other people. So um, I now represent that with the big vision board that I have in my room and I look at that every day. I look at my values, the way that I get to my purpose and um, has a bunch of photos, quotes, things that I might look at for inspiration or motivation or as reminders for me to continually live by those values and to live through that purpose. And I think that just provides me with an enormous amount of strength to do what I need to do um, in my life. And you mentioned earlier about journaling. What what Tell us a little bit about how you've built that into your daily practice and what benefit you get from it. Yeah, I think I started, I would try and journal on and off throughout my career, but no one ever really helped me or told me how to journal. And it felt weird, like writing down what was happening in my day. That's initially what I thought. Um, then I can remember I was going through some tough times, I think professionally, as there is the ups and downs at one point last season and I just had to get it out of my head I just had to write it down um, so I just I think I wrote for like two hours about everything that was happening in my life and then I sat down and wrote how I was feeling and then I, I noticed that when I started to write how I was feeling I then started to think how am I going to fix this and then I started to write strategies how to fix it and um, that would spark other ideas and then other feelings that I had and I started to journal about all different things in my life, not just about my my job at the time. Um, and it was such a long process. I clearly had other things that were hadn't been unaddressed for a long time that started to come out. And I would journal every day at that point, starting to come up with new strategies of how to get on top of these thoughts and feelings. Um, and it was a slow work in progress. Some days I'm going, nah, fuck this. <laughs> but that's part of the journey is what I've learned is that's inescapable as well. So eventually that tool, just journaling, writing my thoughts down has allowed me to look at things from a much more rational perspective and not just getting caught up in the loop of negativity and avoidance and fear um, and then allowing me to see things from a third person perspective and really help myself. I've been my own therapist in that way. Um, and then, yeah, it's allowed me to get on top of my, my issues and be more accepting of them or um, embrace them even sometimes as part of the human experience. That's what 
a large thing that I, I struggled with was dealing with negativity in a way where it's like, all right, this is unavoidable. It's, you, have to, you have to accept it. Sometimes I embrace it as well because, yeah, like I said, there's no escaping it. I think it's incredibly inspirational how you're working through these issues on your own. You know, you've talked about this reframing earlier on and then setting these goals and having this journaling and doing this constant inner work. You know, most people would see rugby league as a, you know, brutal physical game and that's where your big test is. But it sounds like this internal journey has been the area where you found most untapped potential potentially and that's going to take you into your next um, next career once you've finished yeah yeah well um i like to share the the story like i said of how back in i think it was 2016 when i was playing reserve grade and um had just come into league thought i was good but been dropped and then how i just spiraled downwards and then it just affected me for the next two years two years of wasted potential of things i could have been achieving that entire time all because I couldn't deal with a few simple issues. I still had all the potential and I still had the same physical stature. And uh, when I share that experience, that journey, I will show visually the photo of me 2016, the photo of me now, physically the same. If not, I've had more injuries now. I've gotten older, I've probably lost some explosiveness, I've lost some speed. But the, all the growth has just been through here. And so that's why uh, mental skills, well-being, um, mental frameworks is so important for me and that I think if other people in similar situations to what I was in, if I can help them in some way, that once again aligns with my values and my purpose. Um, that's what I'm trying to achieve by getting involved with psychology and uh, with my studies. And what's the one model or the, the sort of two or three things that you've picked up from your master's degree in positive psychology that have really opened your eyes to you know, maybe a, a trap that you'd gone through previously that's really helped you? I think it just reminds me of the things I've already spoken about. I think I'd already kind of arrived to those things and that's hence why I started to reach further and further heights in the sport. I only just started studying positive psychology this year so um, I'm only one unit in so far uh, a lot of the things are just kind of confirming for me that I'm on the right path that I've been doing the right things um, but positive reframing you can see that probably that's a huge part of how I approach things um, that that's a definite very important factor in professional sport I feel for being the most resilient individual you can and then also, um, understanding your strengths is another massive one for me. Um, that's caused me to have much more belief in myself. Um, and uh, yeah, really being able to articulate from a theoretical perspective much better now the, the things that I've done throughout my career to kind of get me where I am. Um, that's what positive psychology is kind of helping me through. And I have no doubt though that along the way I have 10 more units, whatever it is, that I'll continue to learn new things and try to incorporate those into my practices. And of all the things you've seen personally and experienced personally and with your own family, if we hear a lot about mental health, don't we? And there's a mental health day and mental health initiatives and we all say stay connected to your mates and keep talking. 
What, what's the one thing, if there was somebody listening today that was struggling at the moment, what's the one thing you'd say to them to say, you know, keep going? I think a huge thing for me, for my own well-being, is being your authentic self. Like I, I mentioned, when I was younger, I thought too much about what other people thought of me and that affected my performance. And then it also affects your well-being enormously because you're trying to please other people you're trying to do what they want you to do or be the person who they want you to be, but you're not actually doing the things that make you happy. So I have a saying, I say it to my girlfriend, I say it to her family, do what makes you happy. And it's such a simple thing to say. For some people, it's just like, yeah, of course, but you look at them and you're like, you're not actually doing that. You're doing what other people want you to do. And I can see that you're not happy because of it. Why don't you, it does take a lot of courage in a lot of circumstances, but it's necessary. Otherwise you're just going to get, walk around with a mask on in this facade and other people are going to be praising and liking, not you for who you are, but who you're pretending to be. So for optimal well-being to occur, like to, to be the happiest, most fulfilled version of who you are, you have to do what makes you happy. Brilliant. Yeah. Profound. Thanks so much. No worries. <laughs> well, I hope you found that interview insightful and inspiring. I know I did. He's a giant of a man who comes from an incredibly tough culture, but he was also so warm and open as we explored some really sensitive topics there. Our search for happiness can seem relentless, but Sean's simple advice to fill our days and weeks with more things that we love is just so powerful. How can we expect to be happy if we're not regularly doing things that make us happy? It's common sense, but not common practice. And I think anyone that's been close to someone who struggles with their mental health will know that it's an unpredictable environment. So he's done incredibly well to keep that professional career at the top level with those personal challenges that he's faced. I love the fact that Sean is taking control of his life and using his studies and his connections to build his own game plan to thrive. It would be so easy for him at several points through his career to sit back, but he's taken accountability for his actions and that in itself is an incredibly liberating and empowering move. So once again, his mindset has made the difference to his career. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And remember, if you do need any support, either personally or for your business, then drop me a line through to hello at sportingedge.com and I'll help wherever I can. I've had loads of speaking events and conferences recently with clients like Bupa, Zendesk and Herbalife. So I'd love to support you to give your business the winning mindset for the year ahead. So thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, good luck. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.